You are listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael from Arizona, and with me always are my good friends... Jay from the hills of Texas. And AK Mike in Texas. Well, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, guys. We are uh, into the new year. Mike, welcome back to our uh, Yay. episode. We, uh, Thank you. Thank you. you were out cruising the Caribbean, I think. I was cruising uh, San Juan, St. Thomas. <laughs> yeah, nice. Tortola. Oh, it was good. Back. Yeah. Good. Well, welcome back. Well, today is a uh, wonderful episode uh, on twelve thirty one of 2019. That was the uh, end of last year. The FAA published a, a notice of intent rule or a notice of rulemaking uh, for the remote identification of unmanned aerial aircraft systems. Um, you the, made that sound so cheery, Mike. I, I, no, I, really <laughs> I didn't quite take I'm it as just being as say, cheery. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's I go with uh, AK Mike. <laughs> well, we are in the some um the formal comment uh time frame which basically lasts until March 2nd of 2020. So by the time, you know, this comes out, you're only going to have uh 40 days or so uh to make comments. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about it today. I know there's a lot of videos out on uh, YouTube and a lot of people making comments and some, you know, people talking about the sky is falling and some people talking about it's no big deal and enforcement action. But we're going to give our opinion and uh, I'll I'll just start out the podcast by saying that uh, everything you hear on this podcast is opinions of the hosts. Uh, so <laughs> very much, so. <laughs> you know, I would suggest that if you listen to us and you haven't already gone out and kind of, you know, kind of gotten into it, that you should read at least some of the proposed rulemaking. You can find it on the federal register.gov. Uh, if you just Google, you know, remote identification of unmanned aircraft systems, you should come up with it. Uh, and then if you haven't already, uh, make a comment because, um, I think there's a, a lot of problems that we can talk about. And, uh, you know, the, I think the intent is there, but maybe the way the administration is going about it m- might be a little bit hasty. So anyway, having said all that, um, what do you think? I, I just want to say uh, uh, before we start that uh, if you are someone who's um, having sleeping problems, this is the perfect document for you. <laughs> because uh, it'll put you to sleep, I swear. It lulls you into the sense of, this is so nice. It'll be Everything will be yeah. hunky-dory. It is yeah, very, well, it, very It's definitely long. an insomniac cure. <laughs> if you have insomnia, you definitely read this. It'll Holy cure it. smokes. Yeah, but the sad thing is this this is the type of stuff that you can't be sleeping on or right. else you're going to wake up and find that you can't fly, you can't go outside, fly a kite, you can't you can't even blow up a balloon without having a remote, you know, access trans, uh, transponder on your balloon, you know? It's ridiculous. All right. Well, I will tell you that I've kind of gone through, you know, the majority of it several times, watched several people, uh, you know, talking about this and how it's going to affect us and, you know, what's going on. There are, I'm trying to think how many, there are at least 24 different chapters or whatever they call them, you know, different different types. It's obviously was written by a lawyer um, because that's the way these things are done, right? They're, they're proposed. It's a rule. Uh, they're hundreds of pages long. Uh, but inside all of that, you have to kind of go in and pick through, uh, what is important. And this is one of the statements that was inside these hundreds of pages that I think in my eyes is one of the most important ones. 
What's that? And it says uh, in chapter C, blah, blah, blah. You can kind of go look it up. But anyway, it basically says, under those proposed rules, the vast majority of unmanned aerial systems would require to have remote identification capability. The FAA envisions that upon full implementation of this rule, no unmanned aircraft weighing more than 0.055 pounds will be commercially available. That is either uh, that is not either a standard remote identification UAS or a limited remote identification UAS. Now, the reason I bring that up is because in this particular sentence, and I'm not a lawyer, but I have lawyer friends, this particular sentence basically says that every manufacturer out there is going to have to comply or their product will not be commercially available. So that right. means everything is made in China. If China decides not to do this, or if they, if a manufacturer says, yeah, we're not going to put this uh, you know, remote ID system in there, then technically the government is saying then they will no longer be able to sell airplanes. Or, or right, and, and on top of that, you know, depending on whether it's a kit or you know the company you know made it, um, if it's not one of their approved, I'm making air quotes, nobody can see. <laughs> it's not one of the approved uh, manufacturers. You know, it's not going to be allowed. That's what uh, I'm saying. So, well. so in an yeah. attempt to, this is an attempt basically to limit production of these. And, and all of the stuff that you read about how they're going to, you know, do this technology and everything, ultimately, it's a control issue, right? It's very difficult mm-hmm. to control 4 million drones. And, and I, I really don't like, and this is just my personal opinion, but I don't like to, to lump in drones and RC aircraft into the same group. Because drones, especially those produced by Mavic or um, what's the other company you you mentioned, Mike, um, DJI, they already have systems in place that do this remote ID. You you know, I mean, you've got GPS, you've got computers inside it. They can send them out, bring them back. All of this data that these guys in the FAA propose rulemaking is already currently available in the DJI stuff. But my little foam airplane that weighs 0.58 pounds that I fly in my front yard from RA cores, now all of a sudden I'm going to have to have a big system on this thing that does a remote ID. That I mean, now you just negated the whole airplane. And I can tell you that, uh, you know, Jim over at RA cores isn't going to change his whole manufacturing process to put this remote ID in there and all of a sudden his you know, $55 foamy or, you know, whatever it is, goes up to $350. It's just right. not going to work. Well, there, you're still going to be able to fly those aircraft, okay? Because, I mean, the, the what they're proposing is what, like three different types of uh, uh, remote ID. They're going to have standard, and that, that kind of means like the drone's going to be broadcasting itself, right? Just like a regular transponder. Then they have limited, which means they're going to have a ground. You're, you're, you have to have a ground station, and your ground station is what's going to be transmitting, not only like you know that you're fly, identifying that you're flying in the area, but you know who you are and that you know where you are in, in relation to everything. And then you have um, what is it? Uh, uh, UAS non-equipment. And that's kind of like where all the RC guys are going to fall into, right? So that means that we may not have the equipment on board and we may not be, you know, transmitting because, you know, we're not a commercial type vehicle. And we're supposed to keep it, um, from what I kind of gathered from the rules, we're supposed to keep it under 400 feet and we have to, you know, keep a visual ID on the aircraft as it's flying. Kind of like what we're doing now. Now, here's the other kicker, though is that we have to be, when, when you have a non-equipment aircraft or drone or whatever, you have to be flying in what, what they call a FRIA. Uh, and I think that stands for FAA Recognized Identified Area or Zone. Right. It's like a you know, club. So, right, so that means a club. Now, <laughs> these guys, they're sneaky because there's, there's more into this, right? So that's, from the from the get-go, you look at this and you go, okay, well, that means you just fly at an AMA-sanctioned site and you're good to go. No. Well, it's kind of sneaky because these FRIAs, they're going, you know, when this law goes into effect, they're only going to allow one year to identify where the FRIAs are, 
Okay. So it doesn't have to be an AMA site. Let's no. say you wanted to use your club that's where they have the park. Well, I don't know what you have to go through in order to identify that club as a, you know, a free a zone, but there may be a way to do that. Now, if you don't do it in the year, that's it. You no more. They're never going to allow people. It's not like you can come back and say, I want to apply for this area to become a free as zone so I can fly my park flyers. Nope. After that year, if your area has not been identified as one of these zones, you're out. There's no more. They're not going to allow any more. Okay. And you know how it is with a lot of clubs around here. You know, they're losing their sights left and right. How many clubs have you lost? Because, you know, things change and they couldn't fly there anymore. So once you lose that site, you can't open another site. Right. So once these freezes are established, once they go away, you don't get a chance to get to get more. So, you know, the good news is, is that some of these sites get lost because they're because they're, you know, in a part of the land that's being taken over. Like in our particular case, they're building homes all the way around it. But if our if if they finally get rid of that and our and, you know, now homes are are over our site, I'm just going to come fly over it because that's an approved site right over that guy's front yard. Right. I mean, the FAA is no, going to say not, not, not the way I the, not the way I kind of understood it. Once the the site is lost or can know, I, I see what you're getting at, but being you know, a that's facetious. The, but you know, if right. they approve it and then they go, oh well, this is an approved site, and they build a house right there, I'm flying in the guy's backyard. I'm flying in the guy's house. Yeah, you know, like like I said, the 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 scary thing to me is that you know, the, to me, I can see the down the road they're just trying to eliminate us anybody from flying and freeing up the airspace for commercial use that's that's what this is saying to me well and, you know, the, and that's what this stuff. basically is they're trying to regulate the the hobby out so that the commercial drone operators like amazon and uh, fat, you know, um, ups and those guys who are now establishing um you know this package delivery type systems will have control of everything below 400 feet so that's really where this is coming from it's being pushed but you know what everything that you said was valid and, and and it's very difficult because I, once again, I'm going to refer back to Jim over at RA Cores. You know, I have a couple of those airplanes. They're super lightweight. Uh, they may weigh just an ounce or two over the 0.55 pounds because I'm using a heavier battery or whatever. And I have five acres of property that I can fly in that's my property. And yet I don't really have to go above the roof line of my house with that airplane. I can fly it around without ever getting above the house. And now all of a sudden I'm in the words, You're a criminal. Of, in the words of the FAA, uh, you know, person and responsible You are a criminal. You are I am a, either uh, clueless, <laughs> uh, careless, or a criminal. So just yeah. because I'm flying in my front yard. By the yep. way, I am none of those. I have worked in the airline industry for 30 years and been a professional pilot for a majority of those, probably at least 28 to 30 years. And I have never in my entire career come in contact with any type of RC airplane up where I'm at, um, but either civilian flying, you know, personal airplanes or flying commercial airlines. Uh, I've never had an issue. And on the other side of that, I've never had an issue flying RC airplanes where I came a close call to an airliner or anything. So now how many birds have you hit? How many birds have I hit? Oh. Yeah. Shoot, probably, oh, I don't know. I probably couldn't count them on two hands. Well over 10 okay. or 12. You'd think they'd put the bird crossing signs in a different place, not near the airport. I mean, come on. <laughs> right, right. Well, in, in two separate cases, and I will tell you that the largest case that I had, uh, I was flying a 737 down into uh, – um, Fort Lauderdale, and of course we we crossed the coastal waterway right there, the intercoastal waterway, and um, we're about four hundred feet in the air, maybe five hundred, uh, just coming across, probably a little bit lower. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, I could see this huge brown pelican. I felt so bad because you know after flying <laughs> so for so he. long, you kind of you kind of <laughs> start seeing angles, and I knew that at his speed, my speed. The angles that he was flying kind of 90 degrees to my flight path that we were going to have an issue. One of us was going, one of us was not going to make it and it wasn't going to be me. Uh, so about the time he crossed the nose of the airplane, you know, we were about 190 knots and uh, it sucked him right through the, 
the number one engine, the left engine. Of nom, course, nom, we nom, landed. Nom, 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 uh, nom. It didn't take the airplane down. It uh, went right through the engine. It didn't hit the airplane. It just went right through the turbine blades. Uh, totally destroyed the turbine blades, kind of fried a bunch of parts in the motor. But uh, from the inside of the airplane, all I really saw was a movement of my gauges. The engine gauges <laughs> kind of fluctuated, and yep. then that was it. And I landed without incident. I mean, you know, as far as when I say not in, no incident, nothing happened to the airplane. Passengers smell like barbecued bird in the back, you know. But Oh, uh, that must be terrible as it gets recirculated oh, yeah, through the cabin. It was, it was awful. I mean, everybody was like, what is that mm, smell? What's cooking? You know, burnt feathers. Mm. Now, is that dinner? Now, the airplane was, <laughs> yeah, it stunk. The airplane was grounded, uh, and they did have to change out the engine. But I'm saying that the air, you know, we didn't just ball up and die and go, oh, my gosh. You know, it didn't take us out. Now, right. A brown pelican, not that I know off firsthand, but I guarantee you that that thing probably weighed 10 pounds. Yeah, it's had a 10 to, to 15 pound bird, to man. weighed 10 Easy. to 15 pounds. So I, I really, from a heartache standpoint, have a hard time that my, you know, little flat foamies are going to be a, a menace to society, really, at point, you know, five nine or point six zero or whatever. But I do understand the background of why they're producing this because there is a security risk, right? I mean, that's kind of part of this is that they said that under the, the guise of the, you know, Homeland Security, we, we don't want nefarious people coming in and trying to use these drones for nefarious reasons. However, well, those guys are going to follow all the rules, so that's important, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. they're going to they're going to read the regulation and go, "Oh crap, you know what? We cannot do this drone with the explosives on it." We had right. perfect plan. FAA, we were going the, to we were going to attack, yeah. but we break this rule. <laughs> we can't <laughs> so do it. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Well, it works for the no smoking zones. You don't see smokers in the smoking zones. If I just, I have a no. I'm sorry. I have a I'm no sorry. Are you like? Is that a serious statement? Because no, I don't think it's it is. Not. I'm just saying. I'm going to make a no <laughs> terror sign out. You know, no <laughs> trespassing. People just to jump over the fence. Uh, you know, I see. I don't know. I mean, there's all kinds of things where people see the big, you know, cross uh, the circle with the line through it, and people are constantly doing it. So, I I don't know. I mean, the, the thing for me is is that. Now that this has gotten out there, I do know that both the EAA, which is the real, you know, the large airplane or the Experimental Aircraft Association, which I'm also a member of, um, has gotten involved. And so has the AOPA. Yeah. Yeah. They, and I basically it's because now what they're doing with us, they could do with larger airplanes. And it and it's it's very um, troublesome, I think. And this is Where's where people are going to have to right? make this decision. That uh, a lot of people are out there, kind of like, oh, this is no big deal, you know. It's just uh, let them kind of do it. They'll never enforce it. Blah blah blah. Well, yeah, they may they may never enforce it, or they may you know, it may be harder to enforce. But what it does is it's going to basically within three years limit anybody that's producing these selling them, purchasing them, any of that type of stuff. So they basically wipe that out. It's not going to be that big of a jump to start wiping general aviation out or mm -hmm. balloons or, you know, paragliders or any of that kind of thing. And so eventually, I think like anything else, this is, you know, one of those things that's going to be very difficult but I think it might be a springboard to other things. And that's really where people need to get involved in this. Uh, once again, if you haven't made, uh, you know, some sort of a, a reference to, you know, or, or an attempt to go out and, you know, share your comments, I will tell you that on the comment uh, section already, there has only been, this is amazing to me, but there has only been 5,428 public comments. All right. Now there's 4 million drones out there. They should have 4 million comments. Literally, four million comments. But well, instead, you know, they part don't of the problem, I think, of that. What's that? Right. I think part of the problem with this is, you know, once again, there you have like, you, you know, your FPV guys, you know, so this is a big concern for them, right? You know, mm -hmm. if you know for how they're going to be affected, where they're going to be able to fly, 
et cetera, et cetera. Then you just have, you know, just think about the people who aren't members of a club, aren't, you know, yeah, we're, we happen to be, but you know, mom and pop living out in the middle of Wyoming, you know, they bought one of these things for the kid. Kids learn how to do it. He has one, but who, you know, he doesn't know anything about this. Uh, that's that's the problem. I, that's what I'm fearing is that, you know, all these people, grandfathers, grand, okay. grandparents buying things for kids, and now all of a sudden they go out one day and now you're a criminal. You okay, know, so, pulls up, so that's, hey, a, good, that's you know, a good point. You're only going to be a criminal for the first three years because after that, right, from what we talked about earlier, the list of items that's going to be required for the manufacturer, they're basically going to the FAA will be able to approve or disapprove the manufacturer. Right. So they're basically going to say, yeah, we don't want any type of, you know, manned aircraft or un- I'm sorry, we don't want any type of unmanned aircraft that, you know, little junior can buy off the shelf at Walmart. That's gone because that, you right. know, that that size and even like I said even if it's, you know, just about a pound, that size is not going to be able to put anything uh, you know, remote ID type system in there. And therefore, they're going to say, yeah, you can't sell it. The other thing is, I think from a cost perspective, in order to have these systems, uh, it's going to drive the cost of, of this particular hobby way over the board. And you're not going to have grandma and grandpa going and spending $5,000, you know, on a, on a night. Well, well, think about it. You know, you know, the cost of, you know, just getting into the hobbies already, you know, high. I mean, it is and it isn't. But I mean, you know, you it think about be, it, you though. join the AMA, right, sure. you're not 75 bucks sure. there. You know, you you buy the plane, you buy your your radio. Although that stuff has dropped dramatically, you know, in years, you know, but still you have to buy all that stuff. Then you you join a club, you know, after you get your AMA membership. Then you join a club, you know, you may be out a couple hundred bucks there, you know, that type of thing. So now you're talking about with this, you know, remote, you know, ID stuff, and they're talking about using, you know, uh, using your cell, you know to identify that or for, for your base station that you're flying with your identifier, but then it has to be continuous. So that means you have to pay the service to the service, you know, and that's 30 or 50 bucks a year, you know, plus your cell, plus your cell phone and minutes, you know, your cell minutes, you know, for, for paying for that to broadcast that stuff. You know, I'm just saying, you know, the costs are just getting compounded for some, you know, for, for a problem that isn't there. And that's my biggest problem is that, It'd be different. Yeah, I was reading through some of the stuff there, and they were talking about one of the main reasons that they were pushing for all this stuff so so much was like because of Gadwick, because of the drone incident at Gadwick. But the yet ba- they haven't the even had paper bag incident, right? But they don't even have a picture of the supposed. I'm making air quotes, folks. You can't see them of the supposed drone that was flying all over the field for hours. But they have now in this day of cameras, especially you know in the UK, right. they don't have one picture. Right. Of this thing. Right. And as Mike was saying, you know, the it paper pla- bag. Thing. It was a plastic bag, actually. But right. There were two separate, so, two, two separate incidences. The first one was the airline guy that said, oh, my gosh, I almost got hit by a, dra- uh, a drone. And they traced it down and it was actually a paper bag. I mean, a, a, a plastic sack. And then mm-hmm. the other one, they chased around um, a drone because somebody said they saw that they thought they saw it when in reality there was nothing there ever. Right. Right. And that's why you know, he eluded him for uh, supposedly this this genius of an individual was able to elude these guys for almost six and a half hours. <laughs> Criminal and, mastermind, you know, exactly. Mind you. Yeah. And they wound up finding a guy, but the guy actually, and this was where I didn't agree with it, but they tried to prosecute this guy for being the guy, right, when he was mm-hmm. given like a speech or something at the local college during the whole time. Right. But because he met all the requirements of the guy that – you know, he had a drone, he had, you know, quad stuff, he'd had, he lived near the airport, blah, blah, blah. You know, they went and tagged this guy. And my problem with this is, you know, realistically having, you know, kind of been in the air, you know, airline side and the private aircraft side, I will tell you that Mike flies a paraglider, if right. I'm not mistaken. And, he flies that thing. Well, I mean, you know, Mike, you don't have to register the paraglider or anything, do you? No, I don't have to register my paramotor at all. I guess not. Uh, I that, I, that, that, I'm not oh, that I'm aware of. So, 
and you and you don't have to have you don't have to have an in number you don't have to pay a, a, a yearly registration you don't have to do any of that stuff it, it's considered experimental aircraft i believe and also like uh I, I don't think i don't think the ultralights have to have an in number if i'm not mistaken and it's in that ultralight category is my understanding now I, i'm not a lawyer so um i don't even play one on tv but i just uh <laughs> I, i'm not all, all, all sure on the different bits of that um but at this point i don't i don't have to have one that i know of, that i'm aware of Okay, so you you get to fly around and you have the ability to fly, you know, from point A to point B in a paramotor without any constraints. Yet in order for me to stand in my front yard and fly a little foamy, all of a sudden I have to fall under this entire, you know, 7,249 page document that has become, oh, guess what? We're going to limit, you know, and you have to comply to all this stuff. That's my. Problem. I think the only. I think the only difference between what you're talking about and me is, I have to put myself at risk, while I'm flying around. So well, I do too. I, I mean, as far as not you, if you you're standing your on the ground. Not not if you're standing on the ground and you're flying your plane 400 feet away from you, you're not at risk. Well, I I, I, ex- I can the tell same you risk, that I've I should hit- say. Well, I can tell you I've hit myself with my own airplane and cut myself wide open had to go to the hospital. So <laughs> I, I probably would disagree with that, but I understand where you're going with it. You know, and the fact that your life is on the line, right? So if something happened majorly with you, it could cost a human life. Well, if I'm yeah, flying... out of self-interest, know, I'm, I'm going to try to stay out around, of the way, right? Right, but I mean, my, my risk is just as, as great, I think. Well, I mean, maybe not as well, great, but... Well, I well, I mean, let, let, me just, let me just throw out a stupid example, around. Mike. Uh, so let's say you're flying an airplane, and you're like, oh, I'm going to go chase this ultralight guy's aircraft around with my, my drone or my aircraft, right? You're, you're not putting yourself at risk to do that. You're putting them at risk because you're flying your aircraft around them. Uh, and right. if I flow, flew towards your uh, your your remote control airplane, I, I'm putting myself at risk because if it happens to go through some strings or whatever, whatever it decides to do, you know, in terms of damaging my prop, whatever, uh, of course, we know that isn't too catastrophic because I would just hopefully land in a nearby spot. But my, my point is I have to, I'm preserving my self-interest as I fly. Whereas when you're flying with a remote controlled airplane, you don't really have the same self-interest about your life that I do. Well, that's true. But I mean, the whole point, at least in my mind, is there's more restrictions that I have, you know, that supposedly here in a few years I, that I, we're going to have to go through as a hobbyist, yet I, I can I jump into an experiment. experiment. Oh, it'll definitely, it's, it's it'll a definitely will impact. Yeah, yeah as a no, paramotor I mean, pilot, it's going to probably bleed over. No, I don't think right, so. Right, exactly. Well, I'm just saying there's there's more restrictions on us than there is on a guy who wants to strap a parachute on with a motor, you know, and buzz around the sky. There's less restrictions on him, but they're as opposed to me. And that's just it's just maddening, you know, that 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 would be the case. But I kind of agree. I I think it's going to I think it's going to swallow everybody up as as people like Mike get discovered or if there's an incident that, you know, somebody let's just say, you know, with a UPS drone that all of a sudden gets tangled up or, or some paramotor guy complains about a, a, a UPS drone flying right. next to him right. or close by him. And they're going to go, what are these paramotors? You mean there's people flying around with parachutes on their back? Oh my gosh. Right. Well, you know, here's we another, here's that. another possible element that's, uh, you know, causing less concern for the paramotor community in that regard. There's less of us overall. You don't have, I mean, I saw, I've seen numbers now. Uh, I think the FAA said uh, something like 1.6 registered uh, remote control flyers out there that had registered during the period where they were making people register. Uh, and I heard somebody on a YouTube video say 8 million of them were sold, dr- uh, drones. Now, I, when they say that, I usually think quads when I hear that. So, So if it's 8 million plus whatever the aircraft are, that's, a lot now if you're looking at just raw numbers because i know that eight million aren't flying at every second of every day um just the number of paramotor flyers isn't that high probably talking a couple hundred thousand max ever 
Yeah, well, so, I'm not worried about the paramotor guys flying into. Well, my an point is, is that the sheer you know, numbers. We're that talking about the sheer numbers. Community here. gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I could just foresee here in the future when drones are just taken off. Like I said, a UPS drone, you know, and it, and it comes near somebody or somebody, you know, UPS complains. Oh my gosh, we, you know, this we, some guy with a parachute was flying past our drone. What the heck is that? He he wasn't on any kind of transponder. He who what was that? Oh yeah, there's guys called paramotor guys. They're experimental pilots. The thing, you know, they don't have to do anything. That's oh my gosh, we got to talk to Congress about that. I'm just saying, you guys will be next. <laughs> you're you're next on the chopping block, and, they, right. and if you're even smaller, and, and we're kind of I could just see off topic. I think you know when we're kind of chasing our tail with that, and and you may be right, Jay, but initially in front of us is in order to get to Mike, they got to go through us. Oh, and yeah, that's that's the 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 more you know i think critical thing and and you know inside the document once again i mean the thing that that really irritates me is that that once again that we're dealing with a safety issue right that's what this was supposedly. kind of we're supposedly this is all done because of safety and yet way down in the pages again uh and you know when i was going through i was highlighting the stuff that was kind of irritating to me uh this particular you know, as you get down into it, where it talks about the reckless operation of, you know, unmanned aircraft, it basically says that um, there are six supposed sightings uh, per day that's reported to the FAA. Six sightings a day. And how many drones were there, Mike? You said four, eight million? Eight million, you said. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's anywhere from, you know, 1.6 million to eight million. Right, so there's eight million of these things flying around, and they're getting six sightings a day, only six, and out of those six, they've only they've only had two collisions. So they they specify in their document that collisions with aircraft with manned aircraft are relatively rare. There's only been two that they can identify. Now, this is the crazy thing once again, because they said that uh, the government um, helicopter, it was a Army Black Hawk helicopter in New York City in September 2017, that basically collided with a, a manned a drone. And they only knew that because I think the it hit the side of the airplane or hit the side of the helicopter. And one of the blades kind of stuck in or was hanging on their antenna. That's how they knew they got hit. Other than that, they never even knew it. The second one was a... Uh, twin engine, small twin engine passenger airplane. It was uh, flying into Quebec City, and uh, in October of 2017. So September and October. This is two months, right? That's it. And in all of those circumstances, the FAA says remote identification could have enabled an immediate identification of the UAS, and enabled law enforcement to find the location of the control station, which we know is who me because i'm at the controls right for a near real-time response and investigation that is what this law is for in my eyes this law isn't for safety it isn't for you know all the things that the fa has kind of given us an idea about this is nothing more than to provide a law enforcement track to someone when something happens I think they are creating a problem that really doesn't exist. They're creating their own problem, right? They're saying we want a solution to this problem. Well, there isn't. Good a idea, fairy. <laughs> exactly. She came along with her wand. Oh, pring! I yeah. have a good idea. Exactly. And they ran with it. And so, so to me, you know, if there is, if there are four million drones, and only two accidents. Not really accidents because the airplanes didn't get hurt. They just got nope. hit. So there are more car accidents than there are drone accidents. And, Mike, and there are plenty uh, do you of know YouTube how many bird strikes there are? There are thousands of bird strikes. Yeah, I, in, I, I couldn't day. tell you. There, there's thousands oh. of them. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Way just more find than that I can count. Yeah, I just I just find that inconsistency just hard to swallow. Well, it is. I mean, when you look at it at, from a percentage standpoint, the percentages are so skewed. 
I mean, literally two out of four million or two out of even 365 days, you have two. And and so, I mean, it's just, you know, there's other problems that they have. They're, they talk about the infrastructure, about how people fly over, uh, you know, stadiums and, and how they fly over open-air venues of, of uh, you know, concerts. And they do all of this stuff. And they are automatically jumping to the fact that this is malicious UAS activity. And it's designed to disrupt, gain media attention. Uh, it's a distinct threat and potential to inflict delays, fear, injuries, economic losses, infrastructure, you know, shutdowns, public facility shutdowns. This is something that, once again, is not happening right now. It's not happening. It's the potential for this to happen. So this whole law is based on something that, A, hasn't happened yet, and it's not necessarily a law. It's a proposed rulemaking. But it hasn't happened yet. It probably in you know, may or may not happen, and yet we're the ones that are being, you know, looked at to say, hey, look, we're going to change – the way that this goes because we can't identify who that guy is and we want to know who he is. So to me, this is a big data collection. And if they are collecting data on me via the internet and they are not keeping my data secret, right? Oh yeah. Right. Then that's breaking the law. So in my eyes, this whole law is this law or the WISP proposal basically infringes on my on my right to I didn't even think about that because like you know for ham operators and stuff yeah sure you know you you have an identifier all that kind of stuff but they don't track when you're calling when you're communicating what equipment you're using you know any or you know they're not recording any of that but this they're recording when you're flying what freak you're flying on where exactly you are where you're flying over Um, what do you think AK Mike so so what I'm uh, what also frustrates me, you talked about, Mike, near-time, res- near t- near real-time response. You can't even get near real-time response for an ambulance to your house after you dial 911. How the <laughs> heck do you get expect That's to true. really expect to implement near real-time response on this sort of thing, let alone have the resources to manage the 8 million potentially flying drones every second of every day uh, to manage that? I mean, if we have a flown dr- a drone flying day, uh, and what are they going to do? I mean, just not going to be able to do anything. And all it will do was create more headache and more paperwork, which will cost us, the taxpayers, even more money to run the government that we're running today. I mean, I, it just, just well, seems so out of bounds, so out of bounds from a from a implementation standpoint, let alone whether it's legal or not. Like, let's skip over the legal part of it. And just say, how are you going to implement this? And you're not going to. I mean, it just well, it, it that, doesn't make okay, sense. Okay, once again, that that's one of those things is that no, and I agree with you. And and a lot of guys will step on it on that same you know kind of step and say, well, this really isn't going anywhere because they're never going to be able to implement it. They're never going to be able to you know get enough people to to support it or or doing that stuff. That's not the issue. That's that's a cheap way out of this. You know, because you're not looking at the bigger picture. The bigger picture is the shutdown of all of this stuff while we get to that point. That's the big bit, the bigger issue. They're giving us three years to get all of this stuff organized, and then that's it, right? That's the that's the deadline, and then everything kind of just gets chopped there. So people are looking at it, going, "Ah, they'll never be, you know, it'll never get, you know, put through." But at the same time, if it does, because nobody comments or nobody says, "Hey, we have an issue with this," not that the FAA is going to listen anyway, because they didn't on the last time. But you know, there's this is being pushed through as something that I mean, this is probably one of the shortest. Uh, proposed rulemaking times for comments I think I've ever seen. Well, I, I think I'm comments. more talking about. Uh, I, I'm talking more about, uh, you know, for, for the for the, taking the chance that I might be causing uh, some issue. But the idea that there's going to be civil disobedience on this because it's so ridiculous. And so even let's assume they they no I agree, I agree. Uh, get through all, 
all that stuff. And let's say that they pass all these rules. Uh, I, I just feel like, you know, they're going to have such a level of disregard for this stuff that, that it, it's not going to be useful anyway. Right. And, and, and in the same time, that's their, that's their ability to say, okay, look, what, what Mike's just said is correct. And we can't really, you know, we don't have enough law enforcement, you know, people to run around and do all this stuff. So right as of today, we're changing it and we're just going to shut it down until we get to the point where we do have all that. That may never come. You know, having enough law enforcement to, to put all this stuff in place may never come. The, the systems that they're talking about may never come. They're relying on all that stuff to, to but show in the meantime, up. After all the, the fields fact. are shut down. All the other places are shut Correct. down. Nobody can exactly. go fly. Right. Exactly. In the meantime, uh, we only approve two places. One of them is in Kansas. So everybody in the Western <laughs> states has to drive to, to Salinas, Kansas to fly your RC like airplanes. That. And the other one is somewhere in southern tip of Florida out in the middle of the ocean. So those are the two approved areas. If you live close enough within 5,000 miles of that, you can make it good for you. You know, it just, it's, it's very difficult, you know, for me to see the, the positive side of this. And, and I know that, you know, there's supposed to be a side of it, but I, I'm not really, f- f- you know, fond of the way that they're kind of lumping everything in there. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, flying professionally for 30 years. I've been flying RC for well over 20 plus years. I've never had issues with either one of them, you know, or coming together or combining. But what I have had issues with is someone tracking my data, right? I even turned it off on my phone because I don't like it when Apple does it either. But it's that's really what this is about. We're going to collect data on every drone operator, every aircraft owner, every kind of, you know, unmanned aerial systems so that if something nefarious happens, we can come after that individual and know where he's at. The problem is nowhere in this document did they address the safety of my personal information that is now online and is now being transmitted in the airwaves to somewhere on the internet to a third party. That's going to what store this information, sell the information, Turn around and sell it, you know, that, that I just don't get it. I mean, if all that information is going out and it's free for anybody, then what's to say that the guy driving down the road who hates drone operators doesn't look it up on his cell phone, find out where I live and burn my house to the ground or do something nefarious to me. Now, am I being protected? Is the FAA going to come and say, hey, sorry about that? No. So until my information, until they can convince me that my information is being broadcast with some sort of a, you know, cipher lock Encrypted, on it. Encrypted, coded. Exactly. And that's not nowhere in this document did I see anything that talked about that. Right. How long are they going to keep the information? What are they going to do with it? What are you they going to do with it? You know, are they going to turn around and sell it to somebody so that they can use it to develop a, now you have to pay a tax. Let's say you're, you're in New York City and they go, ooh, well, we've, we noticed that all the drone operators fly from this location or over this airspace. So you, when you fly from that air or you launch or take off from that area, you have to pay a drone tax right. to take off of there. I could just foresee that happening, right? Hey, you're well, operating in this one zone. So, gee whiz, we, we got all this information that says you guys are all housed in this one area, so we're going to tax everybody there. Right. Well, supposedly they had working groups that got together and tried to, you know, get all this information. But my, my problem is is that, once again, nowhere did they release who was in the working group. And you know as right. where as so, – you know Yeah, because you have the – what's the, the DAC? The DAC, right? The correct. Drone Advisory uh, – Commission or consul or whatever, right? Consular or whatever, and And then um, uh, arc. uh, Well, there's a bunch of different arcs within the FAA, but I think in this one it's um, like with the air carriers and somebody else and their arc. But you're right. Uh, So like the uh, the uh, AMA was is on is on the DAC, right? They're one of the the members on the DAC, and I guess they have a, a bit of voting. You know, they can vote a little bit. But, yeah. you know, part of the problem is, you know, sure, they're representing us, but how much do they actually get a vote? Do Are they really getting to vote? Or once again, does, you know, Amazon and uh, UPS, do they have, you know, do they have more you know rights, say so, 
and all this stuff. You know, they, nothing's explained as to how that board works and who has power. Right. Or who's in charge of the, the, the groups as they're, you know, talking this stuff out. It's kind of nebulous how that's all how it's all working. Well, it's in the document somewhere, you know, they talk about how they get together and they make decisions, but my inter- my I am interested to see if every single one of those guys on this commission other than the guys at the at the um the AMA, what are the other guys? Do they fly remote ID, you know, remote control aircraft? Do they fly RC airplanes or are they just people that are looking at us going, "Man, those guys are like a bunch of, you know, gnats in the sky. We got to get rid of those." Yeah, I, I think the latter. <laughs> well, we're stopping I mean, and, and their Once profit. again, this is my personal opinion, but I, I really yeah, seriously yeah. think that you know Amazon and UPS. By the way, UPS did just get an approval by the FAA under a 135 certificate uh, to fly packages with drones. Now, their their problem is is that they need they need core you know that all that airspace below 400 feet to run these packages. So if all of us are in there flying around and they hit one of us. They're going to have to buy, you know, Barry's new $15,000 jet. So, right. uh, you know, they don't want to do that. So their lobby money, I think, goes into the FAA's pocket and says, you know, hey, look, we need to kind of thin these guys out so that our the money that we spent developing this package delivery system doesn't go to waste. I really Okay, think I have to talk about this for that. a second. I have to talk about this for a second because this is something that's been on my mind for a while with regard to UPS and those folks who want to deliver with a drone. Sure. The security on that is ridiculous in terms of bad. Because think about it. If I have a, 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 all I need is to have a net. I'm standing next to my neighbor's house. This drone's coming in with a package I can see. I'm going to catch it. Or it's, or they, they talk about uh, having commercial locations where these things land in a courtyard and then they get delivered locally out of that space, you know, where they have these corridors of, of folks. What's going to stop people from, from taking advantage of that stuff? Cameras? Maybe. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's very much security in that regard. And so they're going to end up losing packages or they're going to have failures in the air. The thing's going to drop out of the sky and hurt somebody or whatever. And they'll put an end to that stuff. So I, I really feel like that's a that's right. a um, an avenue, although promising, hasn't been proven. They've proved they can do it, but they they haven't proven they can do it in a way that's not going to be impactful to the to to everybody. And and I, I I totally get what you're saying, and I think this is part of where this rulemaking is coming in because they are in the stage where they got approval. But they're just not quite there yet, and they need to get out there and do, you know, some testing. And the the ones that are in Colorado flying around and everybody's all worried about, I, I wouldn't put it past, you know, either a government contract or UPS or somebody that's doing the delivery package runs. And then nobody's saying anything because this rule is out there, and it helps them when they don't know who this guy, you know, who these people are. But they need the area, and they need the area, this airspace cleared, so they can do these tests. And I think that's what's driving some of this. I don't know for sure, but in my mind, that seems to be the logical thing, right? Is to say, man, I don't want to. Once again, I spent all this money getting this approved because it takes a lot of money to get something approved with the FAA, and now I need that airspace clear, or at least somebody, you know, that way I know where everybody is as I'm doing my testing to get these packages out there. I find it, I was, you know, both of you guys know that I was part of the Guinness Book of World Records attempt for the, you know, lifting a quad, a little quad that weighed less than a pound, lifting the most weight. And we were out there all day watching this guy. And every time he tried to lift this package, something would happen and the quad would crash and die. And he would have to refix the quad. Having said all that, the quad would have to be some octocopter half the size of a car to be able to lift anything more than a pound or two and then be able to fly a distance that it could deliver it. And like Mike said, what happens now if I see this package going through the air and I don't take my, you know, shotgun or something and knock it out or some kind of a net, you know, gun and and capture it, they, you know, what are they going to do? Or if I just follow all these drones over to the package drop-off location, is there going to be a bunch of people standing around there going, oh, that's my package? How do I know? How are you going to identify? Yeah, that? I wonder. If, I wonder if net guns are regulated right now. I mean, maybe I should start a net yeah, gun business. I know, right? And we uh, should. <laughs> you know, maybe be. A... 
I could capture your package from the air, you know. I, I don't know. And and you're right. I mean, if I'm sending some unit that's expensive, like I ha- I have, you know, things that I ship and, you know, they could be several thousands of do- thousands of dollars, you know, 6 or 7,000 dollars if I'm shipping. I'm not going to have that thing, even though it's lightweight, it's not going to, you know, are they going to drop it from there? I mean, they don't, they don't insure the package. There's just a lot of things. I think, I think these, these guys would be more suited to push this off until some of this stuff actually got figured out. You know, when the company comes out with this remote ID system and they test it and they say, okay, well, this is, this works and it only weighs two ounces so I can put it in my foam airplane. I think that's the time when they should say, okay, we're coming out with the proposed rulemaking. They don't, you shouldn't come out with a rule that says, Hey, three years down the road, when all this technology finally catches up with you, then this is going to go into effect. Right. So quick question. So when they changed over, um, uh, what am I trying to think for, for the new aircraft that you're flying and you, you, uh, like you said, you, since now you don't even have to talk to the tower for the most Correct. part, you sit there and just send text messages. I know there was a period of time when they were, when they were bringing that technology in, even though they had it earlier than that. That is correct. But it still took, it still took them, I want to say it was like 25 years, like 20, 25 years. I mean, it took a long time. By the time they were bringing, by the time they did the rulemaking, brought the technology online, tested it, did all the other stuff, and then okayed it. They just didn't do it in a year and said, oh, we're good to go. They didn't it, do, it took yeah, some time. It didn't take six, or it didn't take, what, four months, March 20th or whatever it is? Yeah. It actually, right. and, and I think the system you're talking about, and Mike asked me earlier before we started the podcast, uh, ADSB is what it's called. ADSB, yes, yeah. thank you. In our case, it's ADS, and we don't have the B part, but it's uh, ADS, which stands for Automated uh, Dedicated Broadcasting, I think. And uh, what it does basically for real aircraft, uh, both for the commercial side and the private side, is it, it basically sends out, it just sends a signal out that basically says, this is my tail number, and this is my altitude, my airspeed, and this is the direction I'm going and this is where I am, geographically located from a GPS. Same exact thing that the DGI Quad does, right? It says, here I am. You can look at it on your phone on a Google Maps and say, there it is. Now, the the ADSB in and out are the two, right? ADSB in and, and out. So the in is basically means that now I, on my screen inside the airplane, I can see all the other people that are there. So if I'm flying a commercial airliner and I have a small airplane that's within, you know, five or six miles, I can actually see them as an identified target so I can maintain separation or at least look in that direction and see if I can find the little guy and not run him over. Now, having said that, I don't have to have, it's the law says I have to have ADSB out. I don't have to have ADSB in. Why does my drone or my RC airplane have to have a system that both transmit and receives because the actual aircraft doesn't really require that either. Right. Well, that's so, like I said, that's only for the standard that they have to have that. But correct. The, the point that I was kind of getting at was when they brought that system on board, they didn't write the rules for, they didn't write the rules for using that system eight years before they released it. Or, you know what, you know what I mean? Every, you know, they had it so it took some time so they could, you know, well, the, yes the technology no. came they, out. They did, that's not true. The FAA for ADSB for general aviation and aviation in general came out about five or six years ago. And they basically said at the end of 2019, December 31st, 2019, no airplane that's in the air will be allowed to fly in controlled airspace without ADSB. So everybody had to go out and buy these ADSB products. Now, the problem was is that initially five years ago, they wanted people to do it. They offered a, a, a rebate for people that went out and did it. Garmin was the only one that had it, and it was about $8,000 to get that put in your airplane. Right. And then people like me, I was like, my airplane, I'm not spending $8,000 to put the system in there that I don't need, right? Because I have a right. different type of aircraft. And some of us, you know, had airplanes that we really don't need $8,000 worth of that. I don't want it in, out, and so I can see everybody. I just want them not to hit me. So the once again, in this particular fashion, they put the law into place, but they gave us five years to get it figured out. 
And in that five-year time frame, technology kept coming out, coming out, coming out, creating better and better and better and cheaper and cheaper ADS-B units to where when I finally pulled the trigger on mine, it only cost me about, you know, $2,000 for the unit and then another, you know, $3,500 to install it or whatever. But (laughs) it's, you know, well, I mean, it, you know, there was a lot of, of time invested in it and there was some other stuff, but what I'm saying is basically is that it's not a three-year time frame. It was five years, right? And the ADS-B mm-hmm. is only required inside controlled airspace. So if I lived out in the desert in the middle of, you know, Arizona like or where you California live now, or out in the Nevada, desert, and I'm, I'm not in controlled airspace, I really don't have to have it. Right. So once again, you know, we're, we're getting to the point. Now, I will tell you, because Mike asked me earlier that, in this particular case, it says specifically that drones will not be able to use the ADSB systems because right now they have a list, you know, there's, let's say, 200,000 aircraft using ADSB. If there were now added 4 million unidentified guys, it basically would dump the system because the system right. can barely keep up with the airplanes in the air, what it's doing now. So they have specifically required something other than ADS-B because it would blank out the system. You would basically see right. nothing but a dark cloud over the U.S. because <laughs> four million drones all in the air plus uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand airplanes. Now it's just solid, and you can't tell where anybody is because it's you know they're everywhere. If that answers your question, Mike, that's I know you had something earlier. You were well, like, I. I- what I'd like to say is if it, I don't understand why they couldn't implement something very similar to ADSB uh, on a set, different freak, um, but with this, basically just change the freak and that's it, and then you it would be available for everybody uh, that that flies. I mean that would be a, a reasonable yeah. solution, but I don't know. But that technology meme, I don't know if it's available yet or not. We, we were just talking about swapping out the frequency. That's it. And you still, all the other stuff stays in play. The protocol stays in play. It's just a different frequency. And you wouldn't overload the manned UA, the manned airplane space because it'd be on a different frequency. So why wouldn't they be able to do that? Mm, I don't know, other than the fact that the uh, ADSB equipment that I have in there requires a what they call a WASH GPS, which is a ground-based GPS, air-based GPS, plus an identifier. So the whole thing weighs about eight pounds. And the box is about the size of a shoebox, you know, to put. So, I mean, you know, the equipment, it's not miniature. It's not like I could take a postage stamp, which is really what I need for my foamy. Once again, the rule that they're talking about and all of the information that they're saying and the cost associated with it, that's all projections, right? Those are, this is proposed. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're taking what we have currently today and making that the issue. This is. This is a proposal for systems that need to be put in place for this rule to become active. And that is a big issue because you're making a rule based on technology that is not around yet, even though there's some of it around, but it's not totally, you know, we don't know who the FAA qualified remote ID, USS, whatever they call that, you know, where it's the the unmanned systems surveillance or whatever. Those don't exist right now. They're, they're being put that this rule is being put into place so that those will be developed. And, and that, I think, is ultimately the wrong road to go down, because I, I, I don't think you can write a rule based on technology that's not here, but coming in five years, because in five years, the technology that they're proposing is going to be 10 times better, worse, you know, way, you know, who knows? I mean, look at look at cell phones when we were kids. You know, you did, we didn't even have any, and then all of a sudden now we're talking to each other on our cell phone. You know, it was the Jetsons back when I was a kid watching that, going, "Hey, man, you can talk on your watch or whatever," and now you can actually do it. And it was only thirty years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I kind of summing up, I guess, with all of this. Listen, folks, get out, do a little bit of. Uh, you know, review on your own, look at a couple of groups, look, watch some more videos, get out, talk to your congressmen, your representatives, let them know that you are not happy if you're not happy. And, you know, 
let's make a little noise. That's what the bottom line with all this stuff is. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think if you haven't made a comment, uh, don't just don't just log onto the website and say, "Hey, look, this is stupid." This that's is stupid. Not, that's not a comment that the FA will take as a comment. You need to express, you know, some valid concerns. And I think the biggest one is the cost because cost, their little cost breakdown over the the 10-year time frame that says it's going to cost the government $76 to fund this Yeah, because we have thing. to pay for the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, we're going to be paying for the rest unrealistic. of it. It's unrealistic. It's yeah. unrealistic. And it's over a 10-year time frame when they want this uh, you know, integrated within three years. So that, that to me is kind of a misrepresentation of the cost. I mean, I have thousands of thousands of dollars tied up in RC hobby and, you know, doing this and registering every single one of my airplanes. Uh, you know, some of these, I just, I would have to destroy because they just, they, they're going to be too small for this stuff. And, you know, I can't fly them anymore and it, it's just ridiculous. So, Make a comment, make it legible, talk to the people in either the AMA or, uh, you know, the EAA or, or whoever else you're involved with. But but get out there. Like I said, the 5,000, you know, comments, this should be well into the millions of comments. So if you haven't made one, um, you know, take some time, go out there and do it. Unfortunately, our hour is up. Yeah, our hour is up. But so. yeah, but uh, at least with a couple of sites, like I said, they have a few talking points. So right. you can even make it easy on yourself. You can look at a few of the talking points that you agree with, pull them off, maybe expound a little bit upon it. It shouldn't take you more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes to write up a little letter and then, you know, pop it off, folks. So, you know, this is this is really going to be important. Uh, I will tell you, though, that I was not, uh, when I did mine, I wasn't really happy with the way it worked because um, you can submit a formal comment from the Federal Register, but the amount of information that they are collecting on you is horrendous. They wanted my name, my birthday, my Social Security number. I mean, they wanted so much information, and I, I, I don't even know if I got mine published because I didn't fill all that out. I was like, you don't need to know who... You know, you don't need to know my birthday and where I where I lived and how many planes I have and all that kind of crap. That's just information gathering in my particular case that, you know, that they're going to be like, oh, we're going to go to this guy's house, right? Because he's got all these airplanes and we didn't see him register but one of them. So now <laughs> it's a knock on the door and, you know, now they want to see everything, which once again. Fail your papers. <laughs> Fail your papers, so, Mr. Moan. Well, the good news is we do have other um, – Groups that are trying to get involved with this, and and I'm hoping that that this gets you know taken on fairly soon because I I think there's enough lawyers in the RC world and enough people that they can read through this document and see some of the major flaws, uh, and there's got to be a way that we can all be happy and and come together and you know stay safe and yet keep the keep the world going and 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 not busting up my hobby well i don't want to bring this back to any further conversation because we kind of wrap sure. it up but uh it just seems to me that the ama has done a great job of keeping things safe for us this point and why we can't continue on that mode of operation where where we have this organization that basically we're self-policing and we've done a i think a pretty damn good job of it why why that model all of a sudden is broken it doesn't make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, and anyway, I agree so. with you. Um, the other problem that, that I feel is is kind of troublesome as well is that the AMA, as much as they have done and as much input as they have given and as, as many people that we have in this organization doing what we need to do, they have officially not been recognized as a club, yep. as a group, as a, you know, they're, they're not, they're, nowhere in this document does it say, oh, the AMA is is where everyone needs to go. They have not re- released who is going to be part of this group of flying, whether every AMA site is going to be one of the, what do you call it, the fi- uh, you know, Fria, oh, the, uh, Frias or whatever. Yeah, the, Fia, the Frias. None of that. And they, they should have looked at us and said, oh, well, you guys do a great job. If you join the AMA, exempt from all this stuff. But they didn't do that. And this is what I fear. I fear that the AMA is working their butts off to try and, you know, get into this and to, and to get a handle on it. And typical government, they will just ignore what the AMA says right. and go, well, we know better. And you're just trying to get around, you know, obeying this law. And so they're going to 
pretty much disregard everything that the AMA says. And, and that's my biggest fear. So hopefully that won't happen. Uh, but I think that the security, I think the privacy thing is probably going to, is going to be what, when somebody finally figures that out, they're going to be, this, this is how they open that can, right? You're going to open the can of worms yep. with the whole privacy thing. And uh, once you start doing that, we get up to the Supreme Court for, you know, that the, they're spying on us or collecting data. I think this whole thing is in a bad way. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. Good. Uh, hopefully it goes down to flames, but whatever. Well, I, man, exactly. I, I can't believe it. You know, we're obviously passionate about this. Uh, we're passing it along. Uh, if you have comments or you liked or didn't like what we were talking about, uh, jump on our Facebook listeners group. It is the Park Flyer Podcast listeners group on Facebook. Uh, kudos to uh, some new members. I saw that we're, um, we had some new members join this week. Uh, so welcome to you guys. Uh, or you can send us an email at theparkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. All three of the hosts get it. So I'm sure somebody will respond to you uh, relatively quickly. Uh, and, you know, let us know what you think. We, um, we're always interested in your comments, so feel free to comment uh, on our website on this particular episode or uh, or one of the other two ways. Heck yeah. Perfect. Well, anything in the future for you guys flying this week at all? Got Winter Warbirds is coming up for me, and then uh, Electric Festival right after that. Um, yeah, nope. I've been kind of tied up with uh, family stuff, unfortunately, so yeah, well, nothing for and, me. And the weather is up here isn't that great either been not fantastic okay well it gives you time to kind of peruse through and read some more of this fa uh, r- proposed rulemaking if mike can stay awake <laughs> <laughs> well no more for me i'm just gonna you know my blood pressure is getting high enough so i'm, I, I'm gonna <laughs> have to go do something fun jay's gotta yeah you gotta do something fun so uh jay why are you taking that big horse pill <laughs> what's that for <laughs> blood pressure that's funny. All right. Well, oh, make man. sure you comment on or before uh, March 2nd, 2020. March 2nd. Com- comments close then. Uh, it is uh, definitely the remote identification of unmanned aerial systems. And uh, tell us what you think. But we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, check out our new website uh, if you feel the need. And we would appreciate it. There's a donate button. You can uh, send us uh, some funds via PayPal. And uh, if you have a topic or anything you want to hear about, uh, let us know that as well. So for, I don't know, I guess that wraps it up for this week. Heck yeah. All right. Well, from Michael from Arizona. And Jay from the hills of Texas. And A.K. Mike in Texas. We will see you in two weeks. Let's fly. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review. And feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to parkflyerpodcast at gmail.com. 